When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. and <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide DeleteMe with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have DeleteMe. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. DeleteMe is not just a one-time service. DeleteMe is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. The first thing to save money on food is to try your very best to use every ingredient that you buy. Uh, 30% of American groceries go in the garbage. I even saw a meme going around several times that was like, we don't throw away food. We put it in a Tupperware and stick it back in the fridge and wait two weeks for it to go bad. And then we throw it away. Welcome to everyone's talking money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Our little nemesis, you know, that thing called inflation, it's actually starting to cool in almost every category, except, you guessed it, food costs. Get this, margarine is up 43%, butter sticks up 38%, flour up 34%, And macaroni noodles are up 31% over last year. This is according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So without sugarcoating things, (laughs) learning how to create healthy, delicious, and affordable meals for you and your family is so important. You heard what our guest, Frankie Salenza, an Emmy-winning chef and host of Struggle Meals, shared. We waste on average 30% of all the food we bring home from the store. That is crazy, but so spot on. So you probably wouldn't feel good about wasting 30%, I don't know, of your investment portfolio or 30% of your home value. So why is food okay to waste? Now, I, I love to cook, but that doesn't mean I am not guilty here. That's why I was so thrilled to have Frankie on the show, because he is this expert 
on all sorts of cooking hacks to help you spend less than $3 a serving on a meal. He's got some seriously delicious recipes that will make sure you put all of your food to good use. And if you think, I can't cook, Frankie is calling BS on that, and he is going to give you some of his favorite easy, budget-friendly recipes and tips that will take you from, I cannot cook, to, oh my god, this is the best meal I have ever made. All right, let's start cooking and let's start talking. We're talking about your show, Struggle Meals, and I think, you know, when I think about this word struggle, there are a couple of different components. I mean, obviously, we have to talk about the fact that food prices are just ridiculous. Uh, we did an episode a couple months ago on, you know, why are eggs so uh, effing expensive? And I think there was a stat that they're somewhere around 138% higher than they were last year. And that's just one food category. I know this is something that isn't just US-based, right? Everyone around the world is kind of feeling this pinch of more expensive prices. But then, you know, on the other side of things, the idea of struggling for, for a lot of people is just the idea of cooking, right? It feels like a chore. It feels something like, I just, I can't do this. It's, it's you know, I make things and they burn and I, I'm, I'm never going to be able to, you know, to be able to cook a great meal and impress anyone. So I, I want to just start there. You know, why has cooking got such a bad rap that, you know, so many people just hate cooking? Well, you hit so many good points there, Shauna. And the struggle is relative, right? It's not always just about money, even though, of course, that is a main focus of our show. But I think, I think cooking has a bad rap because we live in this age of convenience where it's so easy to justify paying a few extra dollars to have someone else do every single task for you. And that adds up to uh, a lot less self-satisfaction over the course of a year and, and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars spent by basically um, you know, putting your uh, house chores offshore, if you will. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, it's really interesting because I I have so many friends who were just like, I, I can't cook, like I just can't cook, and I'm like, you can't cook anything. Like there isn't, you know, we can't do eggs, we can't do like there isn't anything, and it's just so interesting. I think how people just kind of lock themselves in a place and convince themselves that you know they just can't do this thing, and then. You know, for me being a money expert, like looking at people's money and how they spend money, m most people we overspend eating out. I mean, that's just sort of a, you know a, a fact. And you know, I don't begrudge people. Like I love eating out too, but I think you know what you're talking about. There's something like really satisfactory with being able to cook your own meal and and, and you know taste it and experience it. As I search for like. Our purpose on this planet, I think one of the main things is self-satisfaction, whether that's helping people, giving back to the community, or just achieving things on a checklist. All of those things, I think, lead to some happiness. But if we're going to start at the lobby of the building of culinary wonderfulness, uh, for those who are totally afraid about cooking because they're no good at it, I'll just remind you that like the first step you took when you were a baby, you fell on your face. You didn't then say, I can't walk. No, you kept trying. Um, and when I think back to the first time I tried to make something, I went without a recipe. Don't do that. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> Go with a recipe for sure and probably make that dish four or five times before you say, all right, I'm swapping out this for that. Because you can't just start at ground zero, change three things, and then be like, it wasn't any good. Because you're not getting into the nuance of how you're applying heat and the steps and the layering of the flavor. You're just changing everything right from the beginning. So that would be bad. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. You know, it really wasn't until I'm probably dating myself here and I don't, I don't remember the exact year. I didn't look it up, but, uh, it wasn't until a food network really came on the scene. And, um, I remember I was watching a Giada De Laurentiis, uh, show, whatever, you know, Italian cooking shows. And there was just something that like clicked for me visually watching it where I was like, oh, I mean, that's not that hard. I can make that. Like I can, I can totally replicate that. Or I can, you know, pause the the episode in between the steps and, you know, kind of follow along. And so for me, that was really this big shift when cooking felt like it was something I can do. Now, of course, you know, your show, I mean, so many shows just this like revel revolution of of cooking shows. And so, you know, I'm wondering how how do we make cooking how do we make it enjoyable? How do we make it something that 
that we really look forward to doing? I think by partaking in cooking, that's the only answer. Uh, if you want to start running, it really stinks the first time. It doesn't <laughs> feel good while you're doing it. It doesn't feel good after. Um, but you know, if you do it once or twice a week, six months later, you can feel an improvement in fitness and, and, and that's enjoyable. Well, the same thing's applicable to cooking. So how can we make it enjoyable? You got to make the mistakes. There's just no way around it. Now, it's my job and several other people's to make sure you uh, skip as many of the major pitfalls as possible. That's what I'm trying to provide in a show like Struggle Meals while also entertaining and occasionally getting a laugh out of you. Uh, but but that's it. It's, if, if I can make it a B minus the first dish you ever make, I, I think it's a success. It's literally a passing grade, you know? So I yeah, like that. I, yeah, that's a that's a mark to to aim for. I'm I'm a big fan of like getting rid of perfectionism in everything we do because I feel like um I'm a recovering perfectionist and I feel like it's really easy to uh, you know just do anything and feel like if you can't be perfect at it the first time out of the gate that you know it's just a no-go and I feel like cooking is one of those things where I love that you can allow yourself, you know, freedom like there's a recipe but you know, maybe you have to substitute something, or maybe you make a twist that you didn't know <laughs> you were going to make, and you know it, it comes out, and it's it's just a version of you know wherever you are in that moment of time. And to me, I think that's like really interesting about cooking. I mean, it's so so satisfying. It's so so satisfying, and it's great that over just the last few decades, this mindset of it's the work of the help has has sort of melted away or it's the work of of females that are keeping a house like all that's melting away gender roles are flip-flopping all over the place and i think i think it's great and um again i don't know how much time each of us has on this planet but i think it's definitely a life better lived when you've tried as many different things as possible because it just brings you closer to the people that do those things all the time and you can be more empathetic and understanding and then it brings us full circle back to uh, self-satisfaction. We had a, a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago. Her name's Tony, and she runs a site called Plant-Based Eating on a Budget. And mm -hmm. we were talking about, you know, how to bring in more plants and, and how to approach, you know, plant-based eating on a budget. But, you know, I know that there are plenty of listeners out there like myself that love, you know, good meat, a meat option in, in our food. And so I was really excited to have you on and and talk about really, or maybe uncover some of your like great, you know, money saving secrets. So I'm wondering, you know, what are some ways that we can, you know, approach cooking, especially at the time we're in right now, where we could save money, but you know, we could still make something that's, you know, impressive or just, just delicious. Oh, I mean, it's such a loaded answer, right? There's no just <laughs> like, oh, here's the one sentence answer. I, I will say this food is affected by um, prices and seasonality, just like everything in our economy or in the world economy, for that matter. We were speaking of egg prices being up uh, over 130%. And that's because there was literally a bird sickness and we lost a quarter of all the birds. Um, and then also, every central bank is printing more money, as you know, so the value of the dollar goes down. So it's like a double whammy thing. And I'm no economist, but I, I understand that. If there were $10 and now there's 12, each of them has less value. And that's basically what's happening. Um, meat in this country in particular has an artificially low price. The cost of actually producing it is much, much higher. You get towards the real cost of meat when you get to really high-end cuts like uh, the Wagyu or you know, fresh from a local farm where they <laughs> slaughtered it that day and stuff like that. Um, but the U.S. government uh, subsidizes the feed and 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 the milk and all these things, and so it's an artificially low price. And it made a lot of sense, I would say, halfway through last century because it provided a lot of calories and it keeps farms going and everything. But I think we're at the point now where uh, there's there's literally there's just too much animal-based product every day in the meals, and we should definitely be pulling it back for our own health, but also for cost. Which now brings me to the vegetables. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Eating in season is the best way to save money. We go back to uh, living in the age of convenience. You walk into a supermarket right now, and they have pretty much every vegetable at all times. So we're becoming blinded to what's in season. And if you're not really paying attention, you're just like, oh, gee, asparagus is expensive. Well, guess what? Asparagus in, um, well, now it's asparagus season. But 
in November when there's asparagus and it's expensive. It's coming from Argentina or Chile or something like that. So it's it's picked a while ago. It's lost its vitality. Uh, there's not a lot of supply. It's taking an international flight or boat over here. It's expiring along the way, and then you pay a lot more. Right now, if you go buy asparagus, it's the season. They're popping up like crazy. They have so much supply, they don't know what to do with it. What does that mean? Slash the prices. So, I mean, we have one episode in particular in this season eight of Struggle Meals uh, called Spring Greens. And I basically try to give you ideas of what you could do in this 90-day period uh, with the greens that are in season, which means they're most affordable and have the highest nutritional value. Do you have any little like cheat sheet guidance for us on like what what vegetables are in season when? Because I feel like what you're saying, I, I have absolutely no clue because yeah, I go to the supermarket and like everything is there. So I just, I have no like point of reference. Right. It, well, I mean, the internet will tell you everything. If you go and look, <laughs> you can literally type in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. And um, is that the right state? That is, you got it right. Oh, okay. I was just like, did I just, um, <laughs> but the, the easiest, listen, you can't do a cheat sheet in a supermarket because they have everything all the time. They're trying to blur the lines. Uh, but if you go to any farmer's market, that's what's in season where you're at. And so when you go in the winter and it's like, it's potatoes, <laughs> that's what's in season. You know what I mean? Potatoes and beets. And I mean, that's it. Um, yeah, the farmer's market is a nice little reset for what you've got. And uh, you'll go five weeks in a row and you'll kind of start getting sick of whatever ingredients is there. And then guess what? It's season starts to end and then some new stuff comes up. Uh, yeah, but it's you got to like study it and figure it out for sure. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit about the farmer's markets because, you know, where I live, there's a lot of really great farmer's markets. And my husband and I just went to a really big one um, a couple weekends ago. And I mean, it's great. There's there's so many different, you know, fresh products, fresh produce, but it's it's really expensive. I mean, I remember, you know, kind of getting a couple of items and thinking like, wow, okay, we could like hit $100 in like the first, you know, couple of of stands here that we're at. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out and and for everyone listening, like how do we how do we figure out, you know, what money we spend on stuff at the farmers market? You know, do we buy organic? Do we not? What stuff do we supplement at the market? Like, how do you figure out that that equation so that you're you're getting good ingredients, but you're also kind of maximizing, you know, your bucks? It's going to be different for everybody. Just like maxing out a four hundred one k doesn't make a whole lot of sense for for someone if it represents probably a double digit um, percentage of their annual income or something like that. Weirdly enough, when I lived in New York City, which I lived there for almost three decades, uh, the Union Square Farmer's Market was always more affordable than the supermarkets all around it. So I saw the inverse thing in one of the most expensive places to buy food. Now I've moved to Connecticut and uh, yeah, the farm that I go to, the ingredients are definitely more expensive than the supermarket. Um, I I don't know what's up with that, but I can taste the difference. And so sometimes that's worth it. Because I, I do believe the quality of whatever meal you're making is decided the second you leave the store. Uh, and there's another point I'd like to make, which is, what's the second part of your question there? Uh, <laughs> um, oh, organic. Like How do you organic. know to decide yeah, if you can have organic? or if it's, So organic is obviously great. If it's, <sighs> there's so many things happening to everybody's health and you have to assume it's partly because we're spraying everything with tons of chemicals. Now, has to be. if you're yeah. buying something organic from the other side of the country or another, uh, or another country, and it's being shipped here, then this philosophy of I'm doing good not only for me and the planet kind of melts away because there's a bunch of carbon emissions associated with shipping it to you. So I'd rather have local sprayed than organic <laughs> from California or, or you know, southern Mexico or something like that because that doesn't, it sort of defeats the purpose to me in that sense. And then also things that are super high water content or things that have skins much less affected by, uh, you know, conventional stuff. But do keep in mind, even when it is spread, no one's trying to kill you. I mean, we're just trying to grow (laughs) food for almost 8 billion people. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we're almost there. I mean, it seems like we can feed everybody. Now we just have to get it in everyone's mouth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like this might be a little bit of a loaded question, but, you know, curious your thoughts on this. What makes a good meal? Like, are there components, certain components that you have? 
be like, this is, this is a good meal. I made a good meal. I struggle with this all the time because I'm always writing new recipes and trying to think of things to come up with. And sometimes it seems too simple or whatnot, but at its core, like it should provide some nutritional value. It should have I think a bunch of great flavors, and that usually means uh, a couple of flavors intertwining with each other. Um, so like salty and sweet together are nice. Sweet and sour together are nice. Um, spice can be great. Always in balance, and, and that's something you get practicing. Um, and then lastly, I think an overlooked one is texture. Uh, especially at the beginning of everyone's cooking journey, it's really easy to overcook everything and sort of have this homogenous uh, gruel texture, which is uh, not so beautiful. It's one of the reasons why I love spaghetti cooked a minute underneath, because when you get it twirled on the fork perfectly, and then you bite through it, you have all of these little textural moments of bliss as you through all of these inter, you know, oh, it's so good. I love it. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, 
host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I wish this episode was like scratch and sniff, uh, you know, because I, I feel like cooking is one of those things that it's it's somewhat like a little bit difficult to talk about, but, you know, obviously very, very visual uh, process. But I know that you, uh, you've got all these recipes that you talk about for um, ideas that we can make for, you know, $3 or less a serving, some things that we can really kind of hone. And these could be our, our you know, our staple recipes that we come back to, you know, I'm wondering if you could, you know, share a few with us or walk us through like just some ideas to maybe you know, jumpstart us on our cooking journey. Absolutely. Well, the first thing to save money on food is to try your very best to use every ingredient that you buy. Uh, 30% of American groceries go in the garbage. I even saw a meme going around several times that was like, (laughs) we don't throw away food. We put it in a Tupperware and stick it back in the fridge and wait two weeks for it to go bad. And then we throw it away. Uh, I mean, if you're spending, it's not insane. In, in the Northeast to be spending $1,000 a month on food. And if you're throwing 30% of that Easily. way, you know, 300 uh, times 12 is was that three, three, $3,600. It's like, come oh, on. Money. You know what I mean? You could, you could go to 11 Madison Park twice with the full wine pairing, two people for that savings. So I would, I cannot um, give you the ability, like, yeah, I can't express it enough. Don't waste the food. So. Uh, we've tried on years for struggle meals to um, focus on an ingredient, give you a recipe of that ingredient, and then give you subsequent recipes so that everything gets used up. Okay, so that's thing number one. And a really practical example of that is if you pick any recipe and it says a quarter cup of chopped parsley and you find yourself with the rest of the bunch there, just use the whole thing. Or plan to chop it up and make some spaghetti aglio olio with Pretzemolo, which is parsley, uh, like the movie Chef, where he feeds it to Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah. It's a ton of parsley on it. Yeah, do that. But like, have a plan and don't just like forget about it because that's how the whole thing melts away. Oh, man. So many dishes. Listen, and then the last thing is like, how much time do you want to devote to it? So we're in season eight here. We've hit so many topics. We're at something like 400 recipes. So in this season, um, we've got one pot meals. Maybe cleanup is not something you want to deal with. So I've got some recipes where there's only going to be one vessel that you've got to clean. Uh, we've got another episode that's half homemade. So there's some shortcuts that'll save you some time with some pre-made ingredients. And um, if you then really love those recipes and you want to take them to the max, you can go make the uh, store-bought ingredient yourself one day. I didn't give you a single example of a dish. <laughs> <laughs> Let me um Well th- tell me a little bit about, you know, we're we're in the this we're getting in the summer months and you know, it's really hot to kind of cook inside. Do you have any good ideas for, you know, how do we make a good meal and maybe, you know, not turn on the oven? Yeah, 100%. So we've got too hot to cook and it's I ask often like what is cooking? And it's easy to think it's like, oh, it's the application of heat to ingredients so that they can transform chemically. And uh, I don't know if that's cooking because if you think of a dish like, um, oh my God, why is my brain so bad right now? Gazpacho. If you think of gazpacho, it's literally just peppers and garlic and olive oil and some leftover bread blended up and then salted to perfection and you get a cold soup. Well, we took that as inspiration and too hot to cook. and. We made a cucumber soup, which is really fresh. And you can imagine what kind of herbs would you use in in that, Shana? Gosh, I mean, I I might use my parsley in that. Um, If I I had my parsley kind of left over, I don't know, maybe I might throw in a little basil. 
Both of these are correct I like answers. spicy things, so I might put a little spice in there. I kind of have that. a habit of like putting cayenne in everything. <laughs> Even when Do you like you the thought, chili oils? I think they're incredible. Oh, I you love the those? chili oils. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Red pepper. Um Yeah, I mean, why not to you know, gazpacho is like such a great example of of something where I feel like you could take the recipe and then you could kind of look around and say, like, what do I have? I mean, I've even seen like recipes for gazpacho with like peaches in it or, you know, yep. lots of different things that maybe you wouldn't normally think about, but it might be like a good vessel to just be like, what do I need to, what do I have here? What do I need to use up? A hundred percent. And like my mom for years has made gazpacho with cucumber in it. So I just, yeah, you can. Basically, you just want something that's got high water content and that's going to have a nice, clean finish. So we did avocado and uh, cucumbers, and that was mm, really great. Yeah. And parsley is in the recipe, but like it could be mint. It could be basil. And this is a perfect example of if you've made just five different dishes five times, you'll start to get that improvisational brain in the cooking, and then you'll be like, oh, okay, I can swap it out now. It's so easy to want to do it the very first time, and I wouldn't do it. Unless you're saving some herbs from going down the garbage, in which case, yes, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, jalapeno, avocado, and cucumbers. Think about that for a second. You've got the fattiness from the avocado, which is also going to give you the... By the way, fat calories have twice... Fat per gram has twice as many calories as carbohydrates, and it is an energy storage unit. So you can eat half as much and get the same amount of calories, which then gives you energy healthy fats. Very, very good. So that's where we're getting um, the fullness from the dish. And then some jalapeno to cut through it. And now we're hitting on these flavors I was talking about. And it's too hot out. And don't worry. You could even make <laughs> you can make celery ice cubes and put it in there. That'd be cute. Yeah, you're, you're talking about kind of these, these balance of flavors. I, I can't remember the exact name of the show, but for anybody listening who loves to cook, uh, there was a show I watched inspired by a book. What was it? Fat, salt, fat, acid. Yeah. So yeah, I can't remember so the, the four. Yeah, exactly the the four words. Salt, fat, acid, heat. There we go. Yes, and it's just so interesting to, especially if you if you love to cook, to kind of think about you know balancing things, and I think that's where the fun and kind of for me the creativity of cooking comes in because it's like you're looking for. These, you know, it's like if we're talking about money, we're looking for these like kind of foundational elements and the same thing in cooking. And it's like, okay, what's missing? Well, did I not, you know, have this element or that element? And, you know, what if I put a little dash of this or, you know, a little spice or something in there? And I think that that to me is the this is the fun of cooking when we can kind of come off of a recipe and we can feel like we have, you know, the ability to be creative and 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 make it into something that, you know, we really enjoy. And and something that I can just give all of you as like a little hack, if you ever make any dish at all and it tastes a little flat, either lemon zest or lemon juice or vinegar because they're acids and a little bit of salt, uh, and, and that'll do a lot. That'll do like a lot. Of- <laughs> I like that. I like our little a little cheats that we can we can add into things. Well, I, I'm wondering, Frankie, like, do you remember, was there a, like an exact moment for you when you remember like your... Uh, love of of cooking just kind of got ignited. Oh, there are several key moments. Um, I grew up in an Italian American family, so we were always cooking at home. So I just got used to pretty homemade stuff that was fantastic. Um, I didn't like fish. I didn't like chocolate. I wouldn't eat a raw tomato, but I loved tomato sauce. And then around thirteen, wow. I just remember I was out to lunch with a buddy of mine, and I ordered a hamburger as a thirteen-year-old boy does. And something in my brain said, today, you're not going to take the red onion, lettuce, and tomato off. You're going to eat it with that and the pickle. And I bit into it and it was like, I was like, oh my goodness. And then all of a sudden my taste buds opened up and I wanted to try all of these things. So that was like the first moment. Um, And then the next one was at an Italian restaurant in New York City that I later ended up working at, which is hilarious. And I was like, I'll have penne pomodoro. And they're like, we don't have penny pomodoro. I'm like, I know it's not on the menu, but you can make it for me. Every other Italian restaurant does. And they're like, yeah, but we don't because this is New York City and we're snooty like that. Would you try the Bucatini alla matriciana? And at this point, I was very pissed off and entitled. And I was like, uh, and he was just Charlie Browning me. Wah, 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 wah. I didn't hear anything. I was like, fine, I'll have it. And then when I ate that, oh my God, 
And then that started this journey of I've got to be able to replicate this dish. And it took me like eight years to match it. And what I realized is the focal ingredient, which is hog's jowl, guanciale, that that was it. I just like, I was buying all these crappy pancetta and uncured. Pan- nope, it needs to be guanciale and it needs to be cured with the right spices. I like bay leaf and a little bit of allspice on there. Um, and that And that makes the dish. Pecorino cheese also as is tradition. No Parmigiano. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Nainen, the host of the Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Uh, yeah, we have a joke. My husband and I, we, we just love Guanchale. We have a joke that we were going to name our next dog Guanchale. And, My friend uh, you named know, just- their dog Guanchale. I, I believe it and just have people yeah. ask us all the time, like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and we'd be like, go try some and you'll, you'll see what we mean. I mean, the truth is you can make that dish well with good pancetta. Now I know good pancetta and good guanciale versus bad. Um, and it's even great with bacon at this point, to be honest. Any, any, any substitution will work. Well, you know, you, you have this whole- After like, you get it right, though. After yes. you get it right, any substitution will work. That's that's the key. I love that. I love that. You've you've worked at you know restaurants. You we were talking before we hit record. You've been a private chef for people. Uh, so I, I I'm wondering you know how did the the idea for this for the taste made show uh, struggle meals how did this kind of come about because I feel like um, you know there are a lot of shows on TV. Um, like we're we're fans of watching Top Chef, but obviously, you know, we're not going to probably go out and cook the meals that are cooking on Top Chef. They're just too elevated for us as kind of home cooks. But what I love about your show is that it is approachable and kind of the way you go about talking about food and and your excitement. And I feel like it just it, it captivates you from like an entertainment perspective. But then you're also talking about something just really practically, like helping us all all save money. So I'm I'm curious, like how the evolution of the show kind of came together, and and you you know you really focused on on budget meals. Well, thank you for the high praise, Shauna. It means a lot. There's a lot of TV shows out there, and they've turned it into sport, and they've 
put it at super high end. And it's very fun to watch, but you're right. You're not getting a whole lot out of it. And uh, honestly, I feel like the main feelings one gets watching those shows are like, uh, they're going to get that person or, oh, they're going to get kicked off next. Sort of um, negative connotations, I would say. There's there's not a lot of stand and stir cooking shows. We're one of them. Now, we're in this age where we're trying really hard to appeal to my generation and younger, which uh, can have an attention span, but the style of the show needs to be a certain way. This is a six camera shoot. I don't think it stays on any camera for more than seven seconds. And yet over the period of a half hour show, I think it feels really, really good. Uh, my personal journey started cooking uh, at college and I undercut the meal plan at school by a dollar. So I had people coming over to the house. So the affordability <laughs> thing started very, very early. Um, and then I got on local TV and I played a little bit with the high end stuff. And I realized it's a, it's a pyramid, right? I'm not going to be able to help a lot of people. So I'd rather sit down here. I tried a lot of things with Tastemade over the years. One day someone came in and said, hashtag struggle meals is trending. Let's build a show around that. And it's evolved into something that has like three pillars. And, and that is to genuinely teach you how to cook and save money, uh, be accessible, meaning no crazy ingredients, no crazy concept, nothing too snooty. And then the third thing is also to be entertaining because I don't want it to feel like you're in a lecture. I think we hit all of those pretty well. I, and, and it just means that we can have a really wide audience demographic. And we do. Really thought it would be just college kids or, or just people coming out. Of, it is so much more than that. Um, so it's a big hit and it feels great. And I feel the responsibility. It, it actually, it feels like a, a privilege and an opportunity every time I'm up there. Um, I love it. So much fun. Well, I mean, you can you can tell that you love it. Um, that's what's so great. You know, I, sometimes I watch cooking shows and I'm like, wow, okay. Either this person's like way over the top, and I just can't, I just can't deal with that. <laughs> just my personality, um, or you know, it just doesn't feel approachable. And I think you know, your your style is is really approachable. It's it's like what we try to do on this show with money, try to make it something that isn't scary something that is is something that you feel like you can do and you can approach and you can you know help make your life a little bit better and i think that's what's so great about about cooking and kind of learning these skills you know for everyone listening no matter where you are you know beginner to to more advanced you know cooking also like we were talking about earlier you know it's it nourishes our body and using these healthy ingredients helps us be healthier, you know. When we we've had episodes on the show where we've talked about uh, medical debt being the the largest precursor for bankruptcy, especially mm -hmm. here in America, you know. And and so I think there's just so many different things about about cooking a meal and using healthy ingredients that we can easily overlook. And I think this kind of goes back to you know when we were talking in the beginning about. Uh, eating out and eating out being, you know, the the biggest expense for most people. I mean, we love it. It's easy. It's 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 great. It shows up at your door. Or, you know, you go to the restaurant. They plop the meal down in front of you. But um, I think you know a, another part of this is that that component of just how it cares for your body. And I think that we can we can easily overlook that piece. Absolutely, Ken. And yeah, we are paying for convenience when we get delivery a lot. But there's also another factor which I just thought of while you were speaking, and that is sort of this paradox of choice. You go to a supermarket 50 years ago, and, and maybe there were five salad dressings. There's like 100 now, and several Seriously? different ones just in the ranch category. And so Seriously? I think, yeah, no, you, you never feel like, I mean, how many times have you said, what the heck should I have for dinner tonight? And then you're in this spiral for like 90 minutes, and then what, you end up eating a packet of ramen or something. That's so, so bad. But the point is that. You, not long ago, it was, you know, taco night. It, Friday was pizza night. You know, it's okay to repeat meals. That's the other thing. And so if you just commit to that, then it's really easy to make the same dish five times over the course of a month. And you're basically going to be like a little master at it. And then you can create subsequent dishes from that. And it's a beautiful thing. You know exactly what you're putting into your body, which can you know, down the line, maybe lead to less medical expenses. I'm on Cobra right now. It stinks. Oh, man. So I feel for you. That's, yeah. pa that's painful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I ask you a financial question? 
Of course you can. This is fun mm-hmm. switch. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So uh, this debt ceiling thing, I get it. Um, we are the world's reserve currency, meaning most transactions worldwide are in the US dollar because it is backed by the full faith of the Federal Reserve. Okay, great. Uh, if they just keep re- raising the debt and then they keep printing money and we have you know, just a slow trickle of never-ending inflation, at some point, don't you have to pay the piper? <laughs> like, what, what happens? Yeah, at some point you do. Have, you know, I think part of um, what we're in right now with inflation is paying somewhat the piper. Um, I, I think it's really interesting because, you know, money is cyclical and it, you know, just like we we're talking about, you know, the, the uh, fruits and vegetables that, that go in cycles. Money mm-hmm. has sort of that, that same uh, cycle, whether it's the housing market, the job market, the stock market, you know, everything tends to run in these like 10 to uh, 12 year-ish cycles. And so, you know, debt ceiling, I was, I, you know, I was thinking actually, I was reading an article before this, before we hopped on and I was thinking, God, when was it before that we were talking about debt, the debt ceiling? Like how, how long ago was that? I didn't, didn't actually get to that number, but it feels like we talk about this often. And, you know, it's this combination of, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously something that we don't want to happen. We don't want to hit this debt ceiling. But then in the, in the other hand, you know, it, we, we hear all these headlines, all these like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so terrible. And then, of course, they, ra- they raise the debt ceiling and then we forget about it. Then we kind of get back in the same place. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I'm not an economist, but um you know, it feels like someplace something's going to happen and uh we're not all going to like it. Um yeah. you know, but but the I mean, that's the crazy thing is, you know, we can just print more money. I mean, that I, that just always blows my mind that that we can just, you know, hit a button and more money just comes out. And yet we live in a country with you know, uh, food insecurity and and a lot of you know homelessness and uh, people really struggling, and yet you know the government level they have the ability to just you know pump out more money. So mm. this could be a whole other episode, but I think it's it, no, it's I know. really it's interesting. Be our whole lives, and though, uh, that's what I think. Yeah, at, at at some point you would think that something's going to happen. I think it's everyone you know kind of white knuckle it and make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, so you gotta just <laughs> keep everything diversified, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah, you just gotta uh, do the and, best and, you can and, with what you've got, yeah. and that's that's all you can do. You did, yeah. you did make a good point, which is right now everybody's feeling it a little bit, and that, in a sense, is paying the piper a little bit. Yeah, I guess it's it's the it's the small sliver <laughs> of it. Yep. <laughs> uh. Well, you know, we we talk a lot about uh, relationship with money on this show, and I think when it comes to cooking. You know your mindset and your relationship to food really matters as well. That's that's sort of what we're echoing throughout this episode. So you know, I was wondering if we when we end here, you could give us a little bit of like a pep talk. You know, kind of the right mindset and you know how to how to make the most of our budget as we go into the summer. Like, how do we just get ourselves in the right frame of mind of of you know we can do this, we can cook great food, we can have a great summer, and uh, you know we can. We can just nourish our bodies. You know, we dream of things often. And when we dream of things, we think that'll never happen. But a goal is just a dream with a deadline. So if you put in the month of June, I'm going to cook every Friday night. I've got 30 recipes for you from season eight. You can pick from them. They are all in season, which means that you're going to be buying produce that's in season, which means it's going to have a lot of vitality and it's not going to cost a lot of money. I've got things that are one pot. I've got things that require no heat at all. I've got stuff that you can take on a picnic. Maybe perhaps you want to combine some sort of a hike with a meal at the halfway point before you turn around. I got you covered there. Don't worry. Uh, We even touched on summer cookout. How do you deal with that if you don't have access to an outdoor grill? Don't worry. Struggle Meals is there for you. We've got some really good tips. But ultimately, you just have to commit to it. And I'd start with dishes that are not too complicated if you're not very comfortable in the kitchen. Um, and you know, just because it has few ingredients doesn't mean it's going to taste great. Earlier in the podcast, we were talking about watching Jada and you saying, hey, I can do that. 
The big secret of Italian food, which by the way is an American invention, it doesn't exist in Italy, they just have regional cuisines. Uh, but the secret of Italian food is that it's all very low ingredient count, but they take care of texture, they take care of flavoral balance, and they eat in season. And it's wonderful. I mean, it is just so easy to take like some anchovies and a little bit of lemon and maybe butter and garlic, just put that over steamed asparagus. And like you have that in Italy and you're like, oh my goodness, their food is so great. But then when we try to do something here, we're like making these sauces that are unstable between a wide temperature range and then it splits and it breaks and we've got breadcrumbs and this and that. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Eat in season. Yeah. <laughs> I know I said this in the conversation, but I really love Frankie's style and his just approach to cooking. He wants it to be fun and approachable for you. And he also wants to really help you make some yummy food while saving some cash. So my theory here is that no matter how much money you make, I think it's always a good idea to just spend smarter. Even if you cut that stat of, of wasting 30% of the food that you buy in half, think of what you could do with an extra 15% in your budget. So if you spend $500 a month on groceries, you could cut that by 15%. That's an extra $900 a year that you have to put to use. I don't know. I just think that really starts to add up. So if you want to learn more about Frankie, you can find him on Instagram at Frankie Cooks. You can also check out Struggle Meals at tastemade.com slash live. There's a screen there with all the providers and they will help you figure out where you can watch Struggle Meals, but you are going to love it. And I'm so excited for you this summer that you're going to make some yummy, tasty, healthy, affordable meals that I know are just going to wow yourself, wow your guests and wow your family. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor. The highest favor you could do is share this episode with some friends, some people who you know would also love to cook some seriously yummy and affordable meals this summer. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here on my friends for a brand new episode in just a few days.